Hello, and welcome to Writer's Radio. I'm Ingrid Rose, your host for this program, Song, Discipline, Memory. Three Muses, a novel by Martha Ann Toll. Martha, your first novel, Three Muses, came out in 2022 with Regal House Publishing. It was awarded the Petrichor Prize for Finely Crafted Fiction. The novel is a love story, a tale of Holocaust survival, exploring trauma and identity through the braided stories of two protagonists. John Curtin, called Yanko as a young boy by his mother, is the only one of his family to have survived the concentration camp and is now training to be a psychiatrist in New York. And the prima ballerina, Katya Simonova, who's basically imprisoned in the life and ballets of her much older mentor, lover, choreographer. What inspired you to tell this tragic and tender story? I think that many books have multiple origin stories, and this one is no exception. I definitely have had a lifelong love affair with ballet. I studied as a young child, and even though I had no talent, I was lucky enough to be able to watch professional dancers rehearse and also to have the steps kind of imprinted on my body. I, and I've been a follower, an assiduous follower ever since. I was told by my ballet school at a very young age, age 12, 12-ish, 11, 12, 13-ish, something like that, that I had no talent. They weren't mincing words. They don't do that on ballet. It's pretty harsh discipline. Um, but nevertheless, even though at the time it was terribly disappointing, it turned out to be a great asset in my life. So that was certainly one major inspiration. And then I think the second major character is a Holocaust survivor. And I don't have a great answer for that, except to say that I, I grew up in a very secular Jewish family outside of Philadelphia in the United States. The Holocaust was really my first introduction to Judaism, which I think was true for many people in my generation. I mean, it's sad because Jewish history is much older than that, but it's also a reality that we knew we were related to Holocaust survivors. We lost part of my mother's family at Auschwitz. I had friends whose parents were Holocaust survivors. And so it was very much in my growing up milieu, and it made a very, very, very deep impression on me. I was quite young when I realized, began to sort of grasp the magnitude of the Holocaust. I don't think we can ever really grasp that the scope of the crime actually grows the more that you understand it. But in terms of research, I definitely read everything I could get my hands on. And then I also became very interested in asking people their stories and learning about personal stories. One thing that a fiction writer will always say, but I think it's also true outside of fiction, is that sometimes for a part of history that's such a monstrosity, all the statistics in the world can't do what one story will do. And that was definitely in my mind with Yonko, John's story, that I thought that one person's experience might make more sense. And 
In terms of music, he is pulled out of line because his mother says to the um, SS officer that he can sing because she think, realizes that it will save his life. And so he survives by singing for the commandant of the camp that killed his family. That his relationship with music is terribly fraught. It's both his savior and the deepest part of his trauma. And so for him to fall in love with a ballerina is kind of problematic because she can't do her job without music. <laughs> opens with a psychiatrist named John going to the ballet. John survived a concentration camp by singing for the commandant of the camp. And the commandant was overseeing the killing of John's mother and brother. So John arrived in America with a lot of trauma and was taken in by a family and eventually had the opportunity to go to medical school and become a psychiatrist. At this conference in Paris, when the book opens, his boss's wife gives him a ticket to the ballet, but he doesn't want to go because music is very traumatic for him. It was the thing that saved his life, but it's also the cause of deep trauma. However, he does go to the ballet and there he falls in love for the first time with Katya Simonova. He sees her dance and he's entranced by her beauty and talent. The name of the ballet that John is going to see is called Three Muses. John settled into a bench at the edge of the plaza. Dusk was gray pink backlighting the opera. Balletto mains were arriving, tuxedoed men with stylish women on their arms. It wasn't just the evening gowns or the way women draped their shawls. Their pacing and carriage were glamorous too, each with a distinctive walk, together a pageant. If he weren't answerable to Dr. Leventhal, John would have disposed of Mrs. Leventhal's ticket He'd much rather spend the evening out here. Inevitably, he went inside. He picked up a program and made his way to the first balcony. The orchestra warmed up as a chorus took their places in the side boxes. The music began, slow, plangent tones, paced to the speed of a man's forward tread. The chorus entered, deep and serious and sad, as if their voices had taken the measure of John's memory. The curtain lifted on a snow-covered mountain against an aqua sea, a scene to conjure myth. Dancers in blue and green leapt in unison, legs like arrows, arms overhead. They fell into lines fracturing like kaleidoscope patterns or forms in opposing mirrors. Overcome by jet lag, John dozed off. He was in his family's mind's living room, Muti darning socks, Papa with his pipe, left thumb over the bowl, right poised to cock his silver lighter. 
Lopsided smoke rings meandered toward the ceiling. A few more puffs before the pipe hung limply from Papa's mouth as he grew increasingly absorbed in the evening paper. Rubbing his eyes, John slowly woke up. He knew the music. After dinner, when Yonko's schoolwork was finished and he was getting drowsy, Papa had played it on the gramophone. If Yonko was lucky, he'd be permitted a few minutes to sit with the grown-ups before Muti declared bedtime. The chorus sang with veneration, permeating the hall, the way the smell of Muti's bubbling apple strudel filled her kitchen, or the first peaty drafts of Papa's pipe suffused the living room. John was flooded with grief, the music a piercing shorthand for what was gone. All of them, Muti, Papa, even little Max, who hadn't been born until later. John had not thought about this music in decades, if ever. He recalled Papa starting the gramophone as Muti settled into the horsehair sofa with her sewing kit. Yanko was growing so fast, Muti had to let out the hems of his trousers. The sewing kit was black walnut, the varnish on the edges smoothed from use. It was from Yanko's grandmother. The orchestra moved with gravity and purpose, music as familiar as childhood. Now it was named Mozart's Requiem. Not only the people and the place, but this too had been stolen. John didn't need to stay. Dr. and Mrs. Leventhal would understand. Searching for the quickest exit, John struggled to call up something, anything to stanch his anguish. What value were his sessions with his training psychiatrist? Dr. Roth was useless. None of the patrons around John budged. He would be imprisoned here until the end of the act. Making another effort, he took a deep breath to marshal his defenses. And then, a lone ballerina sheathed in white floated toward center stage. The audience greeted her with shouts of brava. She was the muse of discipline. She cut through the whirling dancers with precision and exactitude. John had never seen anyone so exquisite. She was a reverie, an evocation of grace. Each fluttering arm motion dissipated his pain. Her dancing ordered the music, rendered it alluring. He strained left as she exited, as if by craning his neck he could follow her. She spun in duo with the muse of song, summoning peace and beauty. Together, the two made harmony. Their playfulness heightened John's mood. He glowed like a man feeling desire for the first time. him as a novice psychiatrist? I'm not 100% sure, but I think that he, he comes to psychiatry a bit by accident. When he is finally able to get to America as a teenager, he's taken in by a family who had one child who was killed in the Battle of Sicily. And they say to him, well, we were going to send him to medical school, so you should go to medical school. So he didn't really have a lot of choice about that. 
And then in a random conversation with one of the neighbors, the neighbor realizes the extent of his trauma, said, you know, you should be a shrink, head shrinker, you know, brain doctor. So that's how he falls into it. But I think the idea really appeals to me because it's a necessary part of psychiatric training to engage in your own psychiatric therapy. The healer has to be healed somewhat before he can heal anybody else. I kind of like that irony a lot. Does that at all reflect the experience of writing this novel? You spent many years researching once the ideas had come to you. This is actually not my first novel. It's my first published novel. I had a very long journey to publication. And I think that the, my entire sort of two decades of writing has been very much a learning journey for me. I, I don't want to call it catharsis. It's not therapy. It is a journey into understanding sort of where you are, what troubles you. I think it's an incredibly difficult subject to think about. When you know people who have survived, you can hardly stand to think about what they went through. It's unimaginable to lose your entire extended family and what that means. I had to get a bit older before I could deal with The work that you have done also for quite a long period in your life of social justice, it seems to me that that also is part of the background to this story. I'm trained as a lawyer, but I was really doing more policy and advocacy work um, as the head of a charitable foundation that funded organizations that were working on housing and homelessness, racial justice, um, the American death penalty, which is a travesty, we could spend the whole day on, and, and, and criminal justice in America, which is also a big, big mess. I used to think, you know, what is the connection from one to the other? Because I'm writing about music and ballet, and what's the connection? But I think there's a really deep connection, and it's basically justice, especially as I was in the middle of writing this book, and America's immigration system is so, such an incredible mess, and unfair and terrible. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive <laughs> if not for the refugee system. They were uh, My father's side of the family were refugees from the uh, Jewish pogroms in the Ukraine in the early 1900s. And many, none, no Americans would be here except for Native Americans and people who came in chains. We are all immigrants and refugees. And I'm deeply offended at our policy, country's policy. I'm ashamed of being an American often. And I think that in particular really ties into this book, that John was able to come as a refugee as many, many of my relatives and all my friends' relatives and everybody I know. This country has been very welcoming. To be in this moment when we're questioning all that, I find to be very painful. You called the title Three Muses. And you have a little definition of the music. <laughs> so song is the first muse, which you characterize as music's primal form. Discipline as rigor. Practice and preparation for prayer. And the third one, memory, as transforming forgotten to feral, quicker than an asp's sting. 
very poetic, but unusual characterizations, I'd say. Discipline, clearly that has served you in your career and in your writing. Yes, I'm pretty obsessed with discipline, and it has been incredibly important in my life as a stabilizing factor. I mean, when other things are going wrong and sometimes very wrong, discipline has always saved me. You mentioned the three muses. They actually come from a region of Greece called Boeotia. They they are a mythology that is part of ancient Greek mythology. And I found them by accident. So those were the three muses, song, discipline, and memory. And as you mentioned, discipline includes the preparation for prayer, which I especially love. Um, and I thought, gosh, these were made for me. <laughs> this is all I ever think about. <laughs> so I just love, I love this idea. I loved finding them as a framing for the book. I had the idea of the ballet dancer and the Holocaust survivor before, but then I found these three muses and I thought, oh, this is how I can structure my book. This makes all the sense in the world to me. Katya Simonova, who, you know, you expect to be Russian, but in fact isn't, right? It's the name that Boris Yanukov, her mentor and a generation older than her, but of course, he gives this name. She's an American. Your portrayal of her life and her ability to stay within this discipline, in spite of what her heart wants, is, you know, very touching. Her original name was Catherine Silman. She's just a girl from Queens, New York. And so when her choreographer slash mentor, lover, abuser, all of those things gives her a new name, which was very typical for American, I don't know about Canada, but certainly American and British ballerinas were often given her Russian names. It's a compliment, but it's also a tremendous burden. My mother had encouraged myself and my sisters to all play instruments. So I started in the public school, but she did get private instruction for us. And I fell into the hands. I play viola. And the real story is I'm one of four sisters. My mother wanted a string quartet in the family. <laughs> Since I'm the third, that was there was no option. There was the, already a cello and a violin. It turned out that I fell into the hands of a magnificent teacher at the age of 14. His name was Max Aronoff, and he had been in the first graduating class at Curtis, and he was still on the Curtis faculty. And I was able to take private lessons with him, and he is probably the most important influence in my life, aside from my parents. Um, he, first of all, had this magnificent, fat, gorgeous sound, and he was an incredible raconteur, and he was fun to be with him. He was the age of my grandfather. But the thing that he did that's very, very, very rare in music, even as, as common as it is in ballet, it's very rare in music. Every lesson was about how to practice. So in the ballet studio, you, no matter what studio you're in, if you're in Asheville, North Carolina, or Moscow, you have the same 45 minutes to an hour of preparatory work at the bar, and it's, there's very, very little variation. In music, there's a set of music that you go through, but it's quite rare to walk into your lesson and have your teacher listen to you practice. I mean, he that's how the hour was spent. It was a way of enforcing it. He was going to make me <laughs> do it. And he said, I want you practicing several hours a day, which initially seemed impossible. But then with the, the 
the exercises that he was giving and the way that he broke them down, in no time I was practicing three hours a day. Yeah, I couldn't get through it any earlier. And then I, I, I had his sound in my ears and I really responded to this. You can imagine there would be somebody else who would be infuriated, but I was like, you can feel yourself getting better and stronger and your sound. And I, it just was right for me. And that's his lessons carried through. I mean, I played a, really a lot of music. I was a music major at university. I've played in professional orchestras, chamber music, you know, for a long, long time. And the thing, I ultimately went to law school and I felt Max Aronoff on my shoulder in law school because I thought, I know how to do this. I know how to break everything down in component parts and, you know, not wait till the last minute to learn something. And I just, every, all of my work habits come from studying with Max. Of course, music does too. This, so he had just the most beautiful sound, which of course, where does Boris Yanikov come from? Because clearly he has a very different character. I don't know. In my own life, I've been fortunate enough to avoid a Boris Yanikov. But certainly in the music world, which I'm quite familiar with and I grew up in, and that character is very, very common and something that came very close to me and observed it a lot. So it's sort of the artistic genius that young women, it can be young men, but in my case, young women are, are incredibly attracted to the genius and the proficiency of that person. In the world of ballet, there is no other world. If you want to become professional, you haven't even finished high school. You're usually in a special tutorial so that you can get enough practice in. And you're usually going, even nowadays, professional at age 16, 17. And so Katya herself was particularly vulnerable because, first of all, her mother had died when she was seven. And second of all, she had no world experience. And she, in some ways, Boris is her little bit her father figure, but also she was in love with him because that's all she knew. She didn't know any other way to be. Now Martha Antle reads another excerpt from her novel, Three Muses. Lars, playing the old fawn, stood with Katya, readying their entrance. Adjusting his horns, he whispered Ballet's favorite good luck term, Mared, use of discipline. Thanks, Lars. You too. Mr. Yanikov paced the opposite wing, scowling. Head down, he gave the impression that his company had just suffered appalling notices and not that they were instead poised for opening night before the cream of Paris. Katya felt it imperative to gather her forces and ignore him. She fingered her tutu netting and shook out first her right leg and then left three muses in Paris. Katya was relieved for the vast physical space separating her from her choreographer. And the expanse between her and Mama, Mama had never even seen Katya dance. Her absence was enveloping, a reminder that despite being embedded in the company and despite Mr. Yanikov who had willed Katya the stage, conferred on her this feast, Katya danced through life alone. Her memories had grown hazy with time, a few, 
Mama's toothy grin when she handed her daughter her school lunchbox. Mama's throaty laugh, her butterscotch house dress with the white rickrack. For years, Katya kept up an ongoing monologue addressed heavenward, as if her soliloquies could coat the void that was Mama. Places, the stage manager called. Katya made a last adjustment to the ribbon on her right point shoe and felt the house feverish with anticipation. Act one began. Katya leapt on stage, parting the dancers as if her luminous heat would grill them alive. To dance was to live. To till motion, to impart the joy that welled up every time she took to the stage, her body the vehicle for her art. The lights were blinding. As the music intensified, she skimmed the energy from the audience to breach another dimension. Transcending reason, she danced through raw emotion and spun toward a new center. She had an eerie sense that someone out there had understood her, that she had spoken directly and been heard, that her endless labors had been worth it, the blisters, the pain, the exhaustion, the interminable practice, to dance the muse of discipline, to feel what she felt. You've been listening to a reading by Martha Ann Toll from her novel, Three Muses. I'm Ingrid Rose. This is Writers Radio. And I'd like to thank my co-hosts and co-producers, Carol Harmon and Gary Sill, who is also our tech and music master. And thank you to you, our listeners. You have been listening to Writers Radio, a non-commercial collaborative project which presents talented writers reading their own work. These stories, essays and conversations revisit the long tradition of oral storytelling that connects us to the inspiration behind the words. Be sure to check the website writersradio.ca to subscribe to our free notifications list It's also a way of letting the writers know you are there and appreciating their creative work. Writers Radio broadcasts from Half Moon Bay on the Sunshine Coast in Canada. Traditional tribal land of the Shishal Nation of the Coast Salish peoples. We express our gratitude for their wisdom teachings and land stewardship.